And Psalms chapter 3, this is a, a really a trouble warning. There's, there's trouble brewing for David. And in Psalms chapter 3, it says, verse 1, Lord, how they have increased who have troubled me. Many are those who rise up against me, and many are they who say of me. There's no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and I slept, and I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of tens of thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone, and you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord, and your blessing is upon your people, Selah. I want to talk to you this morning as we follow this Diamonds for Everyday Living with the follow-up from last Sunday's message called, When Trouble Comes. How many of you have been in trouble? Let me see your hand. How many of you just got out of trouble? Let me see your hand. Okay. How many of you are standing next to a troublemaker? Let me see. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. And God, you're going to get us in the day of battle victory because trouble comes to those who you are destined for a breakthrough. So thank you for that breakthrough today. In Jesus' name and all God's men and women said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say you've lost weight and go ahead and sit down. Well, we're so glad you're here. Would you give the worship team one more round of applause? If... If I could have more monitor on that, that would be awesome, Valerie. It'd make me feel more anointed. Thank you so much for being here. And I think there's something so important about starting your week off right. You're in the house of the Lord. Oh, we're honored that you're here. And you know what? Next, this week will go better as a result of your time today in the house. Now, when trouble comes, there's something to be said about how you handle difficulty. How many of you handle pain poorly? Don't raise your hand. That's most men. Most men handle pain poorly. I can endure a lot of things, but not pain. When pain comes to my body, I turn into a little child that is in need of great help. I find myself when I find, especially when I have a stomach ache. I don't know about you men, but there's something about when my stomach hurts, I turn into a wimpy, whiny, little hiney baby because I don't like when my stomach hurts. I mean, I can, you can slice me up. I mean, I've literally been shot, shot at. I've been stabbed in my previous before Christ's life. But if my stomach hurts, I'm like the biggest baby. You mean it's quarantine time. Help me, Jesus. The rapture can't come too soon because I'm in pain. I mean, there's something about when we get into difficulty. How about difficulty in a marriage or difficulty in a home? Or how about when you get into trouble with your business? David is finding trouble everywhere he goes. David has, has been the king of Israel for some time. The background of the story is David is a man after God's own heart. His heart beats in the rhythm of God. David's hands were bloody, meaning he, he was a man of war. But at the end of the day, David had on his mind the things God wanted him to have, the kingdom business. And David became king. 
But as a result of becoming king and having his priorities not where they needed to be, his son Absalom rebelled against David and against the kingdom of Israel that David had established. David fought many wars, but this was a war he didn't want to fight. This was a day of trouble that David did not want to handle. So the scriptures say he fled. David fled. He's running from his own, his own son, Absalom. And Absalom had gathered 30,000 men that wanted David's head on a platter. David's, however, not alone. He's surrounded by some faithful friends. There's Abishai, his friend from youth. There's Badiah, who literally sl- uh, killed a lion with his bare hands. And there's David's commander-in-chief, Joab. They're literally at a campfire, and the battle was the next day, and 30,000 troops are wanting David's head. And the scriptures say that David began to lay down and rest. He rested because he knew God would get the victory and fight his battle. Why? He was a man after God's own heart. But in the day of trouble, we find David, like you and I in our days of trouble, having to do something. We have to literally not become bitter. How many of you know when your own son wants you dead, it can be a bitter moment. It can be a bitter pill to swallow. And bitterness comes to people that, that are close to us, people that, that have access to us. And bitterness is a cancer. And you either have to get that cancer or that cancer will get you. I think that bitterness is an acid bath that always destroys its container. That's why in life you can get bitter or you can get better. You can live your life from one offense to another and live your life guarded away, or you can live your life, what David said in another book, open cloaked, meaning he doesn't let the offenses of the day dictate his relationships from tomorrow. And David refused to let bitterness win the day. He said, God was my strength, and God would be my defender. But there's another thing that David did. We didn't talk about this last Sunday. David encouraged himself in the Lord. David describes a situation in verse 1 and verse 2. How many of them that be that rise against me? Well, I told you the number, 30,000 people want you dead. It's one thing to have a couple people come against you, a few haters at work, a few haters on social platform. But when 30,000 are over the hill and they're wanting to take you out by the dawn's next light, it's a Maalox moment. There's 30,000 men that want to take him out, and they say there's no help for me in the Lord. That's a vicious attack. Why is that a vicious attack? Because in the Hebrew, the word help is the same word for salvation. So the message of David's enemies was clear. There's no salvation for David in God. There's no salvation. Wait a second. This is the man after God's own heart. This is the one that was in the sheep's field with the, with the shepherd's cloak and the rod telling God about the anointing and about how he would love God and kissing the anointing and serving God even though nobody was around writing poetry about him. This was the man that when they were searching out a king, he had seven brothers and all of the magnificent seven, they didn't have what it takes. And the father didn't even like David and bring him to the house, left him in the shepherd's field. This is the man that knew that God had his hand on him. 
And now his enemies are saying there's no help for him in God. Translation, there's no salvation for David in God. Wait a second. David is the very embodiment of Jesus. David represents the salvation of the Lord. But they're coming against him. And they're saying there's no salvation for David in God. Has Satan ever whispered that to you? Has Satan ever whispered to you, you know, you've sinned too deeply for God to forgive you. You've made too many mistakes for the Lord to truly forgive you. You've done too many wrong things. Things. You come from the long background, the long, the wrong lifestyle. Has Satan ever whispered that to you? Can I tell you today that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, all sin, all sin. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. If you are willing to confess it, God, by his amazing grace, washes it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought against you anymore. Where sin did abound, the grace of God did much more abound. Aren't you glad for the grace of God today? Can you put your hands together and thank God for his amazing grace? God's grace is greater than all of your failures and greater than all of your mistakes and all of your sins. It's an amazing concept to realize that God in an infinite wisdom knew that I could not earn my salvation and I would never qualify for salvation or forgiveness, but God sent his only son to pay the ransom and pay the price for a wretch like me. So no longer am I an old sinner saved by grace as because of Christ, I am the righteousness of God in Christ the Lord. I am I'm no longer an old model. I'm not a remodel. I'm a new model, new in Jesus. Thank God for his blood. Now, think about this this morning because it, it's important to know that David did something. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, how do you get to that point? Look at verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, and you're the glory and the lifter of my head. I lay down and I sleep, and I have peace that surpasses understanding. Listen, now when you can lay down and go to sleep, when 30,000 want your head, it's a real trust issue that you've accomplished. I know people who can't go to sleep with a bottle full of sleeping pills. They can't sleep in a nice bed in their own house or apartment. Where is the peace of God that surpasses understanding? I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I was confident that he would be my defender. Why? Because David knew that God gives his angels to take charge of him and protect him in all his ways. I will not be afraid of what tens of thousands of people can do against me. That's why Jesus used these two words in his earthly ministry. Fear not. Let's say it together. Fear not. Not. Let's say it over here. Fear not. Fear not the past. It's been forgiven. Fear not. Fear not the future. I'm already there. Fear not. Fear not sickness because I'm the great physician. Fear not. Fear not your, prop, uh, your, your properties and your, and your issues because I hold you in the palm of my hand. Fear not. Fear not the accuser. I can close the mouth of the lion. I can close the mouth of the accuser. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. Fear not. God is with you and everything's going to be all right. Now, there's something to be said about this attitude when you're not bitter and you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. But trouble, I think it's, this is, it's a difficult statement to say, and many of you are going to go, oh, I don't, it's, it's, I don't want to hear it. But really, trouble can be an asset. 
I know that's hard to swallow. I know many of you would not think so, but trouble can be an asset. In the day of trouble, you really discover the gateway of the power of God. I'm going to say that over here because I think you need to hear it. In the day of trouble, you discover the gateway into the power of Almighty God. When you get into a place of trouble, you start making some changes. Let a doctor tell you that if you don't quit smoking, you're not going to live the next year. You'll stop smoking real fast. You'll say, oh, Jesus, give me the strength. Cigarette got to go. People say, well, you can't go to hell if you smoke cigarettes. Who told you that? You'll just get there faster. If you chew tobacco and you go to heaven, you'll have to go to hell to spit to get that thing out of you. But trouble can be a great asset. In the day of trouble, it's the gateway to discover the power of God. Do you know that God cannot deliver a man or a woman who does not have trouble in their life? God can't deliver a person who doesn't have need. He can't deliver you if you don't have a need. Some of you ought to be thanking God right now because you've got great needs. You really should. That's why you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. How are you going to know God's a healer unless you have been sick? I got great news for you. Jesus Christ was and is and always will be the great physician. What he has done, he can do. And if he did it back then, he can do it again. How are you going to know God's a provider unless you've been in need? He's still Jehovah Jireh. He's not El Chipo. He's El Shaddai. He is the one who provides for you. He gives you things you never thought or dreamed or imagined. He is our provider. He gives you houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant, wells you did not dig. He opens up the windows of heaven and will bless you beyond capacity to contain it. He still gives a cattle on a thousand hills, and those cattle are still having a baby babies each and every moment. God is a provider. How are you going to know that unless you've been broke, busted, and disgusted? And some of you are in that category, but I'd encourage you start honoring God, start tithing, offering, and you'll go from broke, busted, and disgusted to exceedingly, abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. The transition's hard when you're religious. The transition is difficult if you're, if you're raised in religion because you'll say things like, oh, they don't need my money, church don't need my money. And what you don't realize is God doesn't want your money, God wants you. And when God has you, he can get more stuff to you. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Oh, that's really good preaching, but I'm going to move on because... I feel more of anointing, and I don't want to go there. I'll just exit the room even more. But he's still the great provider. Now, think about this. If he's the glory, and if he's the lifter of our head, how can he be a friend that sticks closer than a brother unless we've been lonely, unless we've been hurt, unless we've been brokenhearted, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, fearing these issues that have come along life. How are you going to know if, if you've been, unless you've been lonely? Can I tell you something about a shadow, friends? A shadow is harmless. Now think about that for a moment. A shadow is harmless. A shadow of a lion cannot bite you. A shadow of a cobra cannot strike you. A shadow of a sword cannot 
cut you. The shadow of death cannot harm you. Christ has reduced death, hell, and the grave, nothing but a mere shadow. That means that you and I have authority. What we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose down on earth will be loosed in heaven. Most of us think, God, you do it. And God says, I've already done it. Now what you need to do is walk in it and receive it and know that I'm a good God like that. Now think about this. Because if this is the case, he's still the one that can make the way where there seems to be no way. How are we going to know that? Because he's the conqueror. And I think there's something so important about God the deliverer. Because you can't know how good he is in the delivery business unless you've been bound. Unless you've lived in a chaos of captivity, haunted by weaknesses and habits, things that have enslaved you, addictions, alcoholism, drugs, pornography. Some of you have brought that into your Christianity, and God says, I don't want any part of that. You need to give that over to me once and for all, because I'm the deliverer. That means he can do it. To him, there's nothing to it. Are you in the day of trouble? You are a perfect position to discover the God who answers prayer. You are in the perfect position to discover discover the God, the healing touch, the bomb of Gilead. He is still the bomb. He blows up cancer. He blows up diabetes. He blows up tumors. He blows up family dysfunction. He blows up mental illness. He blows up the things that tries to keep you up and shake you up. God says, I'll blow it up so you can grow up and be what I've called you to be. Man, you're quiet Presbyterians, but I'm going to keep on going. See, some of you have to have this idea that God, he's for me. He's not against me. Some of you have been raised in such a religious stronghold, even as I'm preaching right now to some of you, it's hard to receive what I'm telling you because you've been raised in this choke collar of religion. You've been raised because of this environment and culture. You've been raised in such a less than mentality, and you have to do this so you can get that. But I'm telling you, encourage yourself in the Lord. You're in a perfect position when you're in trouble, to see the God who answers prayer, to see the God who provides miracles, to see the dawning turn into a glorious day, to see the hope of glory come into your life and give you exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, dream, or imagine. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Some of you have to learn to do that because other people won't encourage you. There's not a time where everybody's going to encourage you. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You have to encourage yourself. If you've got friends that are always tearing you down and kind of saying, ah, oh, you can't do that, you need to delete, delete, unfriend, unfriend. you got to get you around some lifters, people that are going to thrust you up and tell you, you can do that. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. You need sometimes to encourage yourself because you have to do that because some of you, you've got some old chickens hanging around you, clucking and clucking and clucking, and God says, stop hanging with the chickens in time to soar like the eagle that I created you to be. But think about this. If, if David had to do it, we have to do it. And David didn't become bitter. He didn't let bitterness get a hold of him, but he also encouraged himself in the Lord. But then he had a trust issue. He had to deal with the trust issue. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding. That last verse there is a difficult one to take on. Lean not into our own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him. 
It's like when you think you know which way to go, you, you think you know which direction to take, and, and the choke collar comes and kind of shuts that door. The relationship you thought was going to blossom and bloom, and you thought, oh, he's so cute. Ah, he loves God. And you realize he didn't love God. He just wanted you and what you can give him, and the whole thing blows up. Oh, she loves God. Oh, she's such a Christian. Yeah, until she opened her mouth, and you realize what a foul mouth she really was. Oh, you realize some things that you think will go certain ways don't go a certain way. Am I the only one that's ever thought that? Because I think there's something about trust that God's always trying to get us into a place of understanding. When you think you know exactly I should go this way, and God says, no, no, I've got something better for you. I've got a new door of opportunity for you. That's why we have to trust that God knows more than we know. In all our ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct our path. How did David trust God? Look at verse 5 and 6. I lay down and I slept, Lord, and I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I slept and I awoke. The Lord sustained me. I wasn't afraid. When 10,000s of people set themselves against you, that's trust. David trusted God so completely, he slept at the campfire. When thousands of people were screaming for his death, they wanted to take him out. Can you do that? Can you trust like that? Or are you like the man who fell off the cliff and he, he grabbed the only root that he could see on the side of the cliff and he was holding on for dear life onto the cliff and he reached up into the heavens and screamed, God, help me. He looked down. It was thousands of feet below. He screamed yet louder, God, help me. He heard a voice from heaven saying, turn loose the root. And he said, is there anybody else that can help me? <laughs> that means he wasn't willing to trust. You have to be willing to trust in a difficult season, a difficult moment. You have to learn to trust. As David's day of trouble, he had total confidence in the Lord. He says, I've done all I can do. I've distanced myself from my son Absalom. I've posted up guards. It's night-night time. I'm going to bed. He slept. As a matter of fact, he slept soundly. That's our fortress, God. He's in the day of battle. And he says, you and I can run into it in the day of battle. And in that fortress, we can find safety and we can find refuge. Why? Because he's given his angels to take charge of us and protect us in all of our ways. He has right beside you as I'm ministering two angels, one on the right, one on the left. Your children have ministering angels from their birth that were destined by God to take care of you and take care of your children. That why, that's why I tell you, don't be fearful. Do not be afraid. You have to learn to trust. You have to know God knows more than what we know. Why do we trust the Lord? Because God answers. He answers. We trust in the Lord because he never fails. He never fails. Man fails. People will fail you. People will let you down. Discouragement will come. Situations will happen that are beyond our understanding but we have to trust God because he never fails. He's the God who answers when we pray. I think about that a lot because he says yes, he says no, and sometimes he says wait, but he always answers. Now, two of those we don't like, by the way, but he always 
answers. Wasn't it Joshua who prayed and the sun stood still? It was. Wasn't it Elijah who prayed and literally the consuming sacrifice that they doused with 12 uh, barrels of water on wouldn't light the fire and the false prophets said, no way this fire is going to light. And Elijah called fire down from heaven and they consumed the sacrifice. All the barrels of water couldn't hold back the fire of God. Wasn't it Jesus who prayed, Lazarus come forth and a dead man walked out of his own grave and hugged his own family. Is your business failing? Pray. Are you in a crisis? Pray. Have you gone through difficulty? Pray. 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 God answers prayer. Period. And he says, I'll give you the initiative. He says, you take the initiative. You take it. You take the initiative. As powerful as God is, he cannot answer prayers until we pray those prayers. God will not invade your life unless you let him. That's the problem with many people. They're waiting for God to do something. Oh, Joey, when's God going to do something in my life? I'm sitting here waiting. When's God going to do something? And God's going from heaven. Hey, I've given you the initiative to do something. I told you to pray. And when you pray, I'll begin to answer. I told you to call upon me in the day of trouble. And I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not. I've told you to bind it. I've told you to loose it. I've told you to seek me and you shall find me. Many people are waiting for God to take the initiative and God says, I'm waiting for the church to wake up and speak up and call it out and to say what they want from the Lord. Oh, Joey, I just, I don't know about that stuff. I just think you're too radical. This message, is, it's just too much for me. Then you're going to stay in your slumber, darling, a little longer until you can learn that the God who answers by fire will only bring the answer if you begin to pray. When you begin to pray, God begins to move. We trust God because he's the only source of salvation. He's the only source that's why Oasis Church exists, not for you to come to this church and go to another church. Stop your church bunny hopping nonsense. This was created by God through the ministry of Jennifer and I and the people that support the church to become a revival center for people to realize who they are in Christ. God's the only source of salvation. And, and you guys need to realize that and stop the nonsense. What's the church for? The church is for you to find salvation, for you to find freedom, for you to find purpose, and then for you to make the difference. That's important to know. Find salvation. Find your freedom. Find your purpose. And then you go make the difference. What does a church want? Country club. Everybody come. Be the little country club. It's our foreign no more. And God says, go out into the world and ignite hope. Go out into the world and be that difference maker. That's the initiative that rests with you, the church. And I encourage you today that you have to get this vision of total victory to see that. Because if you don't have a vision of total victory, you'll let life's calamities and everything that comes against you take you out. That's why many people, they get took out so easy by the devil. They just let the devil just ram, ram shot right over him and say, I can't do anything about it. It's just the way life is. It's because I'm that way. I'm angry because I'm Hispanic. I'm angry because I'm redhead. No, you're angry because you got the devil in you. Get the devil out of you. Oh, I'm just this way. Oh, yeah, you're just letting the enemy just run ram shot because you don't have a vision of total victory. 
you don't see what God sees. But can I tell you, by eyes of faith, it's time that you stop looking at what you don't have and stop looking at what you need to have and stop looking at what you didn't get and how they didn't take care of you and how your mama didn't raise you right and your daddy wasn't never there for you. Can I say this respectfully? Who cares? You're going to have to grow up and suit up and be what God's called you to be. See yourself as victorious. Well, I've just, I've never heard it like that before, Joey. Now you have. Now you have. But you have to get a vision of total and complete victory. You got to get that. David got it. David got a vision of complete and total victory. He, he, he saw something that, that wasn't in the natural. But some people, they, they've lived in a culture of defeat. They've lived in a culture of inferiority. They've lived in a culture of such self-awareness. Listen to me closely. Such self-awareness of what they don't have, who they don't know, what they can accomplish, what they can't do, who's against them, who's talked about them, all the hurt, and they live in such a self-awareness that they don't see what God sees, and that's complete and total victory. You're not on this earth to have a partial victory, friend. You're on this earth to have total victory. You're not the doormat for hell's legions to come against you and come against your family and say, ah, I'm just going to take it. This is just how we're raised. This is just our poverty mentality. Oh, you're not the doormats for hell's legions. You are salt and light in the generation that's corrupt and dark. I thought you knew. But I think you have to have a vision of total and complete victory. It's so important because some people live in, like I told you, a complex, a complex of defeat and inferiority so long it just kind of becomes a part of us. But you need to see yourself this morning how God sees you, how God sees you, not how the world sees you, not how you see in your self-reflection. You know what I see in my self-reflection? A bald man. That sucks. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not bald. You don't know. But I don't go every day and go, I can't do anything. I'm bald. I put a hat on. What's my point? My point is I don't look in the mirror every day and start focusing on this thing that's wrong, this character defect, what this I don't have here, this leg is longer than my other leg, therefore I'll never run in a marathon. No, I'm never going to run in a marathon because it's hard. That's why. It's not because my left leg is longer than my right leg. So the point I'm making is if there is a point that you have to see what God sees, not like you see, Not like your parents may have saw, not like someone else has told you, but what God sees and what God says you can do. What God says, we're going to make a documentary because lots of new people to the church and and there's some time been gone on and now Valerie's here with us. We're going to make a documentary of the Lord's Gym City Center so you can see the tremendous trouble and the extreme faith and the miracle it took to build that thing. Because some of you just think, oh, some wealthy person built it, and Joey just built it. He's wealthy, and people are wealthy. You have no idea of the trouble and the tremendous, tremendous amount of faith it took to build a 30,000-square-foot building and multi-million dollars with people like you in this auditorium. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. (laughs) 
you say, I almost feel like I'm offended. You should be. You should be. Because you come, you go, people just kind of leave, they come, and they never stay faithful. And I'm going to do a documentary, and we're going to show you what it means to see complete and total victory. To stay the course and not quit and see what God sees. See what God sees. There's something about what God sees. Look at how David sees what God sees. Not what what they say, not what even his dad said. Remember, his dad didn't even invite him to the party. His daddy didn't even like him. His brothers thought he was crazy. He was the run of the litter. He may be even a bit a little uh, illegitimate, some theologians say. That's why he wasn't a part of the plan of the Magnificent Seven Brothers. So what does David do? He doesn't see everything he's not. He doesn't see his trouble. He doesn't see what he can't do. He says, oh Lord, you are the shield about me and you're the glory and the lifter of my head. And look what he says in verse 8. Arise O God, and save me, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone, and you've broken the teeth of the ungodly. I love that. Salvation belongs to the Lord, and the blessing is upon your people. Selah. Look at that verse again. You've struck all my enemies. Get that in your mind. This battle hadn't happened yet. This battle was in the future, but it, but he already saw it as being complete and victorious. David saw the victory It had already been accomplished. The battle was in the future, but it was already done. I want you to do something today. Look at the problems that you've been courting, the problems that you've been anticipating, the trouble that you think is coming down the road, the the shoe that's going to fall because we reap what we sow, the troubles, the disasters, the think. This is going to happen. This is coming tomorrow. This is going to come in the future. I want you to see those things as already been defeated by the hand of Almighty God. Listen to David's words. You've broken the teeth of the ungodly. You've broken the teeth of the ungodly. Do you know today how we identify victims of people in horrendous situations, fires and explosions and things by their dental records? That's how they find out who's who. David says, my enemies will be so destroyed They're not even going to be recognized by their dental records. They will be so decimated. Can't you see God doing that to your enemies? Can't you see God doing that to your financial situation? Can't you see God doing that to your health situation, your emotional state, your well-being? Can't you see God doing that for your future, your home, your legacy, your hope? Can't you see God bringing in that that wonderful scattering of debris when your enemies come in one way, they got to go seven ways? Can't you see God doing something amazing in your life. Y'all are frustrating me this morning. We're not golf clapping here. Maybe we need to have a vision test, not with natural eyes, but with your spiritual understanding and see what God sees. Because if you can see what God sees over you, you wouldn't be Oh, I guess it's okay. You'd be, oh my God, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to do something great. I'm going to do something great. I'm just, I'm just sitting here. I'm just, I just, I've let the city beat the hell out of me. I've let people beat the snot out of me. I've let my own mind just take courage. I just, yeah. Joey, pray for me. And what Joey's trying to do is get you to another elevation to see what God sees. You are dangerous. 
you are an enemy's worst nightmare. You can even pray about it, you can be about it, and you can lift up about it, but you can do something about it. You have the ability to do something about it. And my, my danger here for us is that you've let yourself, your self-analysis, the culture, your ethnicity, your nationality, your upbringing, your religious background, and you let all those compile to a place where you can't see what God sees. And it's evident because of your day-to-day -day life. But you have to get a better vision. You have to get a better vision. Listen to what David says in closing. He says, you, O Lord, are this shield. He closes the psalm by saying, salvation belongs to the Lord and the blessing upon your people. I'm looking at an audience of blessed people. I'm not looking at an audience of defeated people. I'm looking at an audience of blessed people. Blessed people. Blessed people. The Bible says out of the mouth of Moses in Deuteronomy 18, the blessing shall come upon you and overtake you because you've obeyed the voice of the Lord. How did you obey the voice of the Lord, Joey? Not by your works, by receiving Jesus Christ. Once you receive Jesus Christ, you have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Now God says these blessings shall overtake you. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed in your going in. You'll be blessed in your coming out. You'll be blessed in your basket and store. Whatever you set out to do, you will be blessed. You say, well, I'm just trying to find the path. You've already found it when you receive Jesus. The path has been laid straight for you. Once you receive Jesus, it already happens for you. But there's something about, oh, I've got the anointing here. There's something about the rhythm. There's something about the heart that God is after in this room today that many of you are not in step with the rhythm because you're not in step with the pastor. you got to get in step with the rhythm of the anointing of God, what's going on here, what's going on in the church, what's going on in the culture, and you got to stop playing religious games, and you got to stop hitting and missing church services, and you got to stop all the stupid nonsense that you're doing at home, and you got to get in the rhythm of what God wants you to do so you become a movement and a world changer. And God says, I've got something great for you. I've got something spectacular for you. But it can be forced, you know. We can't force it down the neck. God provides worms for birds in the air, but he doesn't throw them down their throats. you got to go out and get it. And you got to want what God has for you. I can't give it to you. I can provide you a beautiful table every week. My table's succulent, man. This table is full of anointing and theology and full of changed hearts and lives. But only you can eat from that table. Only you can come to that table and receive what's being, what's being displayed at that table. Can we stand together all over the building? Remember Psalms 1? We talked about it a few Sundays ago. Blessed is the man or woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But their delight shall be on the law of the Lord. They'll be meditating on it day and night. They'll be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. Their leaves shall not wither, and whatever they do shall prosper. You see, God's blessing is a choice. You being here today is a choice you've made to honor God. And my preaching today has spurred something in you supernaturally. Because I wasn't like this in the first service. I was much more calmer. But I'm spurred by the Spirit for you today, for you to have something given to you that only the Holy Spirit can give you.
courage, strength, boldness, and to see what God sees. Stop with what you're seeing and start to see what God sees. You know, there are three Hebrew words used in Psalm 3 over and over again, but I'll give you just a thought today. It's the word selah. It's three times in Psalms it says that. Usually at the end of the psalm, it just gives it at the end. But it's given three times in this psalm for a reason. Because selah is a word that means to, like, lift up. In other words, it's a meaning that means a crescendo in music. Remember, David's a musician. He wrote songs about the Lord. He, he, he had God's anointing. And so he writes along, and then at the end of it, he, he throws the selah in out of the Hebrew. And what it means is to lift up, to crack the crystal, to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That's one meaning out of that Hebrew word. But there's another meaning out of the selah also. The, the first one is like lift it, lift it, lift it. That's what, that's what I do most of the time for, for most people in, the, in these services, lifting you up, lifting you up. So you'll leave here encouraged and strengthened and challenged. And that's, that's the selah. But there's another one here that's an interesting one. It's, it, it refers to, what do you think about that? It literally translates, what do you think about that? Remember back in the 80s, Willis? What you talking about, Willis? Some of you remember that. You're old. But it's literally, what do you think about that? David's riding along. He's not riding the crescendo. He's not, he's not shouting unto God. He, he uses the other term twice. What do you think about that? David said in verse 2, there's no help for me in the Lord. That's what they say about me. There's no help for God. Selah, what do you think about that? He's saying, I know what I think about that. I'm God's anointed. I'm God's man. God qualified me. He chose me. He anointed me by Sam. That anointing oil wouldn't flow anywhere else. It only flowed on me. That's what he's saying. He says, what do you think about that, Willis? What do you think about that? That's what he's saying there. Then verse 4, he says, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. Selah, think about that. What do you think about that? He's saying, I, I, I laid down. Oh, God. My son has come against me. My all, my life. Oh, how devastating for a father. How devastating that must have been. And he says, they've come against me. But he says, Selah, what do you think about that? And he says, I'm blessed. My son will come back around. And we know the tragedy of David's stories, but I want you to know that David always had the outlook that determined the outcome for victory. And he says, what do I think about that? I'm the blessed no matter what. I want you to understand that today. You are blessed no matter what. No matter what.